It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. He knew enough to catch it. He knew enough it couldn't stay there. He could start punting it out again. You've got 12 guys on the field. Three or four plays before that have every opportunity to make sure that doesn't even come close to happen. Third Down Gamble. First down. So, Don, I know that today you would like to readdress the Rouge. Yes, uh, a couple of uh, things that I don't think I elocuted properly last week, and I want to just get back to uh, discussing that somewhat. And uh, also just make clear that what the rule changes are, are not eliminating the Rouge in its entirety. And I think there's been some confusion still about that. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what you're thinking? All right. Well, first things first, we look at the rouge, and the proposal is to eliminate the rouge on any intentional kick that is mm-hmm. sent up and out of the end zone through the back and into you know, the grandstand, as it were. If a team intentionally does that and the defending team has no chance, then that is not a single point. And the ball, I don't even know where they're going to put the ball out to. It might be the 25. In the case of the bygone boatman suggestion, what he was saying is that you can keep that for place kicks only, which is essentially the ball gets snapped, a holder puts the ball down, puts his finger on top of the ball, the place kicker strikes the ball and tries to put it through the uprights. Mm -hmm. If that kick is wide and sails over everybody's head and out, then no point because you basically have waived your right to a single point by trying that field goal that way. So the rewarding failure argument. Yes. Uh, There's been a lot of conjecture about that. Even on CFL.ca, I've been reading back and forth about it, but the word failure is misapplied. It's a miss. And why is it that if a team marches down the field that the defense can get a reward by having no consequence if a ball goes wide on a field goal attempt and they don't have to worry about giving up a single point? And I've argued that's not right either because the offense has just owned them until maybe they got to the 15-yard line. What in anyone's purview says that the defense gets that out? It's interesting, Don, because uh, watching Twitter this week, we saw Travis Lule actually agreed with that as well. Yes, and I'm glad that uh, I've seen it with more people actually on Twitter with other uh, CFL players, and there seems to be more of a... Mm -hmm. Finally, as the word has gotten out and people have thought about this, you're seeing more and more of the veterans, the people that have been in this league, grew up with this league, watched this league. They're starting to speak out more and more and more that to make it morph into an NFL application, miss field goal goes through the end zone, a punt goes through the end zone, no point. Why are we trying to become more like the NFL? The CFL has to retain its unique identity. That was a huge argument in this whole process. I'm in agreement with it. I will accept the bygone boatman sort of addendum. If you want to try a field goal and you send it sailing into the bleachers, then you've abridged your right to a single in that circumstance and that only. So you would still be fine with the punter drop kick attempt to clear the end zone and get the point that way? There's a little bit more complexity in a punt, a little bit more opportunity, I think, to block a punt. But even Calgary showed last year against Hamilton, you can block field goals on the final minute of the game. And Roberson did it cleanly, jumped straight up in the air 
and got his arm on it to block Hyralahu's kick attempt. Mm-hmm. We're, we're sort of diving into an area that maybe applies once every 20, 25 years. Uh, the last time that I can recall where a kick went through the end zone with no play was Prefontaine against Hamilton back in, I think, the early 2000s, might be 2002, 2004, somewhere in that range. You know, in Hamilton, he kicked a, a point to win the game. Other than that, every other circumstance that we discussed last week, the defending team always had the ball in the end zone and had a chance to do something with it to not have a point scored. Whether it was the kick him in kick him out Montreal-Toronto uh, game, the West Final from 1972, Saskatchewan versus Winnipeg, uh, we've seen a few instances where a final play can just become crazy. And why lose that element? I don't know if you can have much more excitement other than a Hail Mary. We went over this in, in great detail last week. I guess I still see the single point, even on, on a missed field goal, as being something that uh, is unique to the Canadian Football League and something that I would like to see continue, Don. I know that you've talked about bygone Boatman and, and the proposal, but... To me, if you, again, the defense allows them to get within range where the field goal kicker can kick it through the end zone, even if it's wide, why wouldn't you reward the point as we've always done in the CFL? I'm, I'm with you on that. Although from 35 to 45 in the, we'll call it the Western Conference, it wasn't known as that, they decided during that era that if you missed a field goal or kick the ball through the back of the end zone, no point would be awarded. So there has been a bit of a precedent. What I like about the bygone Boatman thing is, you know going in, if you're going to try a place kick, that if you miss the field goal, this is the risk. And you may choose, if you're tied in the final few seconds, to just either try a drop kick, which is essentially you stand behind the center about seven or eight yards, you catch the ball, you put it to the, you pop it to the ground, and then you kick it as it's coming just barely off the ground as Doug Faludi did. Well, I guess we'll we'll see what happens because the Innovation Committee is going to make some proposals to the Board of Governors and that will go uh, to the board next week and we'll see what, if any, changes are made and uh, have an opportunity to discuss those in our next podcast. Yeah, I think lately the the bigger topic of discussion has been the playoff revise where you have top team in each division get a bye and then the next four get sorted out in a wild card format and that one seems to have sustained its energy as it were in discussion forums and I still am very curious if I'm an eastern owner do I really want to go for this because I've only got four teams odds are that extra playoff date will be in the west and as a result because of the imbalance of the schedule I may be giving up a home date not so sure if I like this may stay with status quo well, we'll have to see what the Innovation Committee does. Well, they can only recommend. It's up to the Board of Governors to decide, and they have to approve it. I don't know if you need a supermajority on these things. It's possible when it comes down to a fundamental change like this. And as anyone knows, then you've got to get just about everybody on board to agree with this. If you're the Alouettes, the Argonauts, the Ticats, or the Red Blacks, how do you get justified in your mind that this is something you want to do. Unless there's some form of revenue sharing on on playoff games, maybe there's something there that would uh, allow for the league as a whole to distribute funds based on where things are rather than giving it 
strictly to the home team. The CFL playoff format is owned by the CFL. And so Mm -hmm. I don't know how the revenue sharing comes out of that, but I know the Grey Cup is owned entirely by the Canadian Football League. And the only way the the teams playing, like let's say the Rough Riders back in 2013, they happen to be a home team playing in the game. They could buy the Grey Cup from the league. And then, of course, you take the risk. But there really wasn't much of a risk that year with the team in the in the game. No. Some years there would be, though. Exactly. And that's where the CFL takes the risk on that sort of stuff. But it's also the CFL realizes that the Grey Cup is a huge revenue stream and it has to pay its own bills, notwithstanding the nine-member clubs. So mm-hmm. you've got to have some other sources other than maybe national contracts to keep you know the finances working well for you. The only other thing I could see the um, CFL and the teams potentially taking a look at this, of course, the Board of Governors have to agree to it, but I could see it happening in the event that uh, they, they're feeling confident that schooners are going to come into the um, league. Maybe this is an opportunity to try that type of format rather than stick with traditional East-West. I don't think that the schooner's arrival really lends credence to the argument. I think it does the opposite. If you're going to have a five-team East, then you better have home dates for the East, a semifinal and a final, because ultimately what you're trying to do is generate interest across the league. And by the way, the East, you still don't get a guarantee of that home date. What are you saying to to anyone by by trying to generate more interest you're not you've got to have games in those parks at at that point i i i would disagree i think our league is going to take the best teams in that year based on the schedule and move them to the playoffs again balanced league i don't want the league to be in a balanced situation we've talked about this before in our scheduling podcast bottom line is with a 10-team league it's very simple to have the majority of your games played within division and then have the remainder of the games played out of the division. If you go with that schedule, which is cost-effective in terms of travel, you're going to have you're going to have to re- protect your own. Again, Don, I would argue that, that you're saying one thing, but I mean the reality has been the CFL. They've tried for as much as they can get the balanced schedule, and I think that brings teams together across Canada. And if you're going to have a ten-team league with people playing as close to possible as balanced, rather than all in one area. You're going to bring the best six teams in. To me, that's what sport's about. Bring the best teams forward, let them compete, run the playoffs. I, I just I think there's another issue at heart here, and that is fan participation. I was in Ottawa one year when Montreal played there. It's a different atmosphere when the Alouettes and the Red Blacks play. Montreal-Ottawa is a close rivalry. Toronto-Hamilton's a close rivalry. You, you just You can't keep divvying that up. You have to have the majority games as derbies, if you want to call them that. And that way, you know, Saskatchewan versus Calgary or Edmonton versus Calgary or Winnipeg, Saskatchewan or BC, Calgary, you want to drive up those locals. And that's really important. And I really think if you go to an imbalanced schedule and have 12 games in your own division, I think that's going to engender a lot more fan interest. And I would disagree because, I mean, you're not going to necessarily be seeing uh, the other teams out there. I like the idea of having the teams league-wide playing everyone. So I guess you and I might have to agree to disagree on this one. might be uh, an argument that continues to be had, but I'm I'm not sure we're going to uh, solve that. I guess we'll see what the Board of Governors says. If I see uh, Hamilton every second year in Regina or Ottawa every second year in Edmonton, it's not the end of the world. 
Again, Don, I can only say I disagree. I think it is important to have a home-and-home -home series with all the teams in the league. Second down. And if you've been apprised of the news lately, COVID-19 seems to be on everyone's lips as far as a major world concern. Mm -hmm. And it does impact the sporting arena as well. And just as we've been coming to podcast here, we're recording on Wednesday, March 11th, 2020. That's right. The night. News has come out from the National Basketball Association, Pat. It, it absolutely has. Uh, the NBA announced today that it suspended the season until further notice after a jazz player tested positive for COVID-19. So uh, the statement went on to say tonight's uh, last games are going to be on, that the league would be on hiatus to determine the next steps for moving forward uh, in regard to the coronavirus pandemic. This is also not long after President Trump announced that uh, the U.S. is going to suspend all travel from Europe to the USA for 30 days. Yes, everyone is trying to take whatever measures they need to stop the spread of this coronavirus. And it's a really funny time to be alive in this world right now because we've never really had anything like this other than SARS mm -hmm. back almost 20 years ago. And that turned out to be very contained, although it was, a, I think at the time, a much more contagious disease. It's really tough. You've got the NCAA tournaments. You've got uh, U-sport tournaments going on that are wrapping up. It really makes it difficult for people to decide what to do in terms of, do we have fans come together? Do we not? Major League Baseball is about to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the gathering of people, I guess, is, I mean, if we're going to put a stop to the virus spread, when we're talking about sporting events, and, and uh, you know, this is a long way from the start of the CFL season, but all sporting events gather a, a good number of people together. And if there's a transmission of a virus during that time, it can be, in particular, putting pressure on our hospital systems. The biggest thing is, is that, as with any sort of virus, it preys on the weak. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing that I've learned about it, it's not an influenza. It's something that's very unique. It rarely happens in humans. It's more or less found in animals, but it has made the transition. Washing your hands is really critical when it comes to this stuff. And when you think about it, why do you need to wash your hands? Because what else do you rub your eyes with? And your eyes are the gateway for a lot of viruses to get into because there's no protection in your eyes. Absolutely. You said a strange time in sports, but truly it's a strange time in the world when we have, you know, Italy has shut down the country effectively. You now have the United States coming up with some sanctions. Uh, you've got countries around the world taking a look at what do we do. Uh, here in Canada, Air Canada suspended travel into Italy. Uh, you have other countries like Germany and, and Andrea Merkel saying, you know what, we're, we're keeping our borders open. We're going to travel, but... Um, you know, the, the concern is, like you said, it's going to prey on the weak, but it's more so the amount of support that's going to be required if everyone were to catch it at the same time. That's going to put tremendous pressure on hospitals. So I think... But not everyone that catches the virus is going to have major symptoms. No, no, I... I, I would agree with you. What I'm hearing is most people are there, but I think with the panic that has uh, set in in this area, you're going to have people who will rush into the hospital, meaning that those people who do need that acute care, and there will be some, may not get it because we have people flooding in just to see if, if they have it or not. The panic is real. The, the death rates, I believe, are around 
4%? Based on those, those ones are again, based on the number of people that have been tested, right? So I'm not sure that it's, it's a truly indicative. I th I've heard, you know, facts anywhere from, from a 0.5 to a three or four. The reality is it, it is higher than the influenza. And, uh, you know, the people have never had this before. So we're going to see some different reactions to it. I just don't know where this is all going to play out. As they isolate the virus, they'll probably get a vaccine and within not too long a time, but ultimately it's just prudence. And this is the big question for the Canadian Football League. You've got combines coming up in Toronto and they're, they're going to enforce protocols of cleanliness and that's prudence in my books. Well, when you think about, uh, again, the Utah Jazz player who's tested positive at this point, he's with his teammates. They're all going to have to be quarantined for a period of two weeks. They've played against how many other teams in the time that he's potentially been a carrier. So those teams can be quarantined. And I think, well, we see the NCAA saying uh, no fans at March Madness. Um, when you get to professional sports leagues, you can't operate and pay your players when you have no one coming to the games. So, I mean... It, well, that's true. And we've seen in the past world wars, uh, tragic events that leagues have suspended play. Mm -hmm. The CFL is roughly about 90 days away. So there is plenty of time. And maybe by then, and I've heard few people say that that answer should be coming. The CFL is kind of caught in a no man's land right now of how do we proceed Mm -hmm. Yeah, when we're down in the States, we're taking a look at some of the combines. We've got a lot going on. I mean, it's definitely going to impact the uh, Canadian Football League. And I guess, you know, over the next little while, we're going to have to take a look at what sports leagues are doing to um, respond to this, to this virus and, and how the virus spreads. So uh, the CFL is going to be able to watch, sit back and see what happens. The NHL, I think it's expected to make a statement tonight. So by the time this gets to air... Um, We'll know a little bit more about how this is impacting leagues throughout North America and indeed around the world. I mean, between you and me and all our listeners, I just hope that this ends soon. I I just find it's such an odd feeling. I think the best thing to do is to go to the Canadian government website that's dedicated to this and read the information there because, and I'll put it into our show notes, uh, that the best way to be is to be informed. Absolutely. And I think you're right to go to a, um, a credible um, news provider or, or information provider. And here in Canada, it is Canadian Public Health. So um, the link will be up and people can take a look at it. We encourage you to do that. And, uh, you know, our hope is that, that people will remain calm and, and use what science tells us. And again, when you see the President of the United States telling everyone to wash their hands, that is the number one thing we can all do. Hopefully we can step forward from this. Hopefully it won't affect our league. And hopefully this can be one of the last times we talk about this. Third Down Gamble. And as we move to free agency, one name that still glaringly sticks out is that of Darrell Walker. He's been linked to at least two or three teams as possibilities, and yet that contract has not been signed. How many times are we going to talk about him? I've heard rumors they're looking for an excess of 250, and that could be a very tough hit on anyone's pocketbook for a receiver. In my mind, he's worth it. But I'm not the guy paying the bills. We've mentioned this before, Don, that uh, you know whoever does take him on is going to potentially have to cut someone. So it may be a case of Daryl Walker 
um, waiting either until closer to uh, the camps or potentially even in the camps. Who have we got? Who are the receivers we have? Some of the young players that we have on our roster, what we think we have, or then we need to go to a Daryl Walker. You know what's interesting to me is that Calgary hasn't been in on this bidding war, at least not publicly. Bagleton is gone from that team. I think Huff is probably their most premier re- receiver that they have left. Uh, and went to Toronto. You know, there's not a lot of receiver <laughs> material left in Calgary. No, no, there's... And why aren't... Maybe, maybe it's just Huffnagel's mantra, I don't do this, and that's not, that's not what I'm about. I'm going to recruit. I'm going to find. I'm going to bring them along. We're going to be okay. Well, and if they can recruit and find someone, that's going to be beneficial for them. But again, I think any team, whether that's Calgary or someone else who has players that they've recruited, if they don't show up, they're going to need a a solid receiver. And Daryl Walker's a veteran presence. He's going to be able to teach other receivers about the game and how to approach uh, defensive backfield in the CFL. So, I mean, to me, he's a valuable pickup. I still think he will get picked up, but it's, uh, it's a matter of time and money which is always a key factor in anyone's sort of assessment of any player out there for sure luke tasker another one what is happening there why is luke tasker probably one of the best possession receivers that the league has had in the last five years maybe other than greg ellingson and edmonton now why or and brian burnham i'll be honest yeah true (laughs) why is he still out there why is tasker not signed what's up with that I'm shocked by this one because I would think, again, here, here's a guy who understands the Canadian game who, like you said, is a possession receiver who's going to do a good job of, I think, teaching young receivers about the game and how to approach it and how to get open, how to play within the system. I'm surprised a team like the Riders potentially haven't made an offer after losing their possession receiver to the Alouettes uh, with Roosevelt gone, but uh, I would say any team could benefit from a Luke Tasker. There's there's a lot of need. You can look in Winnipeg. You can look in uh, Ottawa. You can look at Saskatchewan. You could look at even Calgary. There's a lot of need for his type of person to be on that field because you want that go-to guy, second and eight. That's the guy that's going to get me those tough yards to get us the first down. And I'm just a little bit surprised that I think he should be well and I think he should be ready. Well, and the fact that he's only 29 years old, I, I think... You know, you've got to be able to potentially give him a shot. He's not like another free agent out there, Emmanuel Arsenal. He's not in his uh, 30s moving forward. Uh, Arsenal, I think, would still bring a lot to a table for any team out there. But, uh, you know, I, I would think Tasker would be the guy I'd be looking for over Arsenal. I would agree with you. I th- I think Arsenal's a, really a, a great guy for the locker room. Mm-hmm. But you could tell that his skill set was starting to drop just a little bit during the last part of the season in 2019. And speaking of 29-year-olds, what about Rodney Smith? Yeah. Like, there's, there's a, a six-foot-five frame that any quarterback would love to toss to. Yeah, a great target and someone who I thought was really coming on. I mean, you, you've got to look at uh, playing in Toronto. Um, you know, he's he's had uh, a lot of different quarterbacks there, so it's hard to get something going with quarterbacks. And yet he still had, I think, a, a great year as a big target and, Again, young man. And I just think the upside on him is huge. And again, if you want a guy that will take the ball over the middle, he's a guy that you can count on. I don't know what the problem is here. It, it, it just is it a, it's an equation of money where 
I've got X and you want X plus one of what I have. And and again, if there's injuries in, in training camp, I think some of these receivers we may see come back or be picked up for a playoff run potentially, like you said, leadership ability, uh, or we find that the, the players we have aren't the possession receivers we need. That's when I see some of these receivers being picked up. But Don, there's also a lot of defenders out there. Um, I know we've talked previously, but I'm still uh, flabbergasted that Jonathan Rose hasn't been picked up. He was an elite cover guy. Um, you know, I think he has the ability to return to that, and uh, nobody's picking him up. I wonder if he'll wind up in BC following the coach there eventually. Other than that, yeah, I'm with you on that. He was He's a, a stout defender, and he's a guy that you can count on. And one injury-riddled season should not dictate your career for you. You should be able to come back from that. And I'm, I'm kind of curious as well, what is going on? Is it, a, again, a, a, a cash flow issue or is there something else at play? Like maybe some medical failed. I don't know. Yeah, uh, you, you know, you'd think it must be that case because I think he's had three good years. He came in as a really young player, but he's still only 26 years old and at this point experienced a great deal of success. Uh, so unless there is a medical reason, uh, I would think he'd be one we could potentially see someone pick up. And you've got Sean Lemon, uh, the guy from whom he was traded, Devon Coleman. They're both out there mm-hmm. from last year. And Corey Greenwood, who had had a fantastic year with the Stampeders, led the league in tackles until he was hurt. Mm-hmm. I really think he is such a smart defensive player. He just makes people around him better. Maybe a pickup for a playoff run again if you lose a, an integral person. Um, you know, even on special teams, if he's outplaying, you could limit his repetitions and, and potentially at that age you could stay healthy a bit longer. It's going to be interesting in Calgary because that defense is going to be very young this year. Mawson's going to have a lot of work to train these people up to be ready. We already saw... The chinks in the armor last year when the Stampeders were starting to get closer and closer to allowing 30 points a game. And I really think that if Bo isn't on with his game, that the Stampeders could be in for a rough season. They sure could. But uh, then again, every team could. We have a lot of people that are out there, and, and it's how well they fit in the systems as to whether or not they'll gel. We'll have teams like Calgary and some of the others. Uh, are the young people that they have in place going to be the players that are going to take them to that next level? I guess we'll have to wait and see. And if not, I do believe that we'll see some of these veterans that we're talking about still in free agency being picked up. We talk about the young people that are coming through in Calgary to having to fill the roles on defense. And it's kind of interesting. Last night on one of the YouTube channels of the mm-hmm. 1966 Grey Cup. And in the pregame warm-up, you heard the uh, Ottawa team and the Saskatchewan team being introduced and how many of the players had five or more years of football with that team. It's something that has really been lost in the last 15 years. It is. And, and uh, you know, you, you want to win. You want to win now. So hopefully the guys that you bring in, the veterans you have, as well as the new players, uh, gel within the system and are able to take it forward. And if not... We could be surprised by some of the teams that we expect are going to be very strong. And, uh, you know, teams like Winnipeg, who've got a lot of returning veterans, I think could have a distinct advantage if the other teams can't bring it up. I don't know if Winnipeg really realizes how much Streveler meant to that offense. And I'm really wondering if they're going to take a hit there. Kolaris is a great quarterback, 
But boy, Strevler certainly provided a different dynamic because he could run the ball and he was as bruising as Harris is out of that backfield. But I mean, another team that's got a lot of veterans are bringing a lot of people back uh, and, and have picked up some, I think, strong acquisitions is a team like the Ticats. Um, they're letting people like Luke Tasker go. They've had some uh, loss through attrition to the NFL and other leagues as well, and even throughout the league. But I think the core of people that they have together, if they can find the right mixes of experienced uh, former NFL players or draft picks, uh, I think those teams still have the advantage over those that are trying to go with a, a wide variety of new players in the league. March 17th is the big Board of Governors review of everything that went on in terms of new ideas. Should be an interesting podcast next week. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, my friend. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Third Down Gamble can be found on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. That's spelled at T-H-I-R-D D-O-W-N-G-A-M-B-L-E. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio. Worth watching.